and welcome to Thank You for Toilet Paper, a history of the little things, a podcast where we talk about a few things to be grateful for and the history and stories behind them. I'm your host, Elizabeth Miller. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get going. So on my recent trip to Korea, I spent a bit of time traveling after the team left. It was going to be just me on my own, but plans changed, and I ended up traveling with three friends from my team instead, and it was a great experience. They were fantastic travel companions, and we made many memories that I treasure along the way. One of my travel companions had a particular affinity for a certain animal, and in honor of that, today we are going to talk about the reasons we can be grateful for penguins. Prior to discovering this friend's love for penguins, I think my main exposure had been a National Geographic nature video in which they strapped a camera to a penguin and sent them diving. This was a long time before GoPros, mind you, so this must have been like a really beefy penguin (laughs) to have hefted around a camera. They set the footage to like high-paced music. It was almost like an action sequence, and it was very thrilling for, for a young child, and probably still is. I just haven't seen it forever. Other than that, and the occasional video that I've seen of penguins pushing each other off of ledges and into water, I hadn't given a lot of thought to the bird. But that changes today. These classy, flightless, belly-sliding, sometimes tuxedoed birds, aside from being the subject matter of a few animated films and a number of documentaries, are fantastic, and I am excited to share a few things about them with you today. This one's for you, my friend. Thanks for introducing me to your love of penguins. So how did we get to penguins? Penguins have a common ancestor that they share with both the albatross and petrels. Penguins could once fly, but they began to develop the ability to dive and soon lost their ability to fly as they adapted to an aquatic environment and diving became the skill to nab their meals. That's not the only kind of adaptation that penguins have made to survive. According to research from the University of Copenhagen and researcher Teresa Cole, Over time, penguins' vision adapted to allow penguins to see deeper and more clearly in the ocean by moving toward the blue end of the color spectrum. Another observation is that penguins don't actually have the gene to taste bitter, sweet, and savory. The active genes are those that taste salty and sour. The other ones simply don't appear to be needed by the bird. Physically, penguins also underwent a lot of changes to help them become better divers. These changes included increasing bone thickness, storing more oxygen in the muscle, and the changes from wings to flippers, which included the wing bone flattening and stiffening. The first penguins date back to around 61 million years ago, and these older penguins stood much taller. While today's tallest penguin, the emperor penguin, stands at around 3 feet 8 inches, around 1 to 1.1 meters tall, penguins of yesteryears stood at about 6 feet tall, or 1.8 meters. Can you imagine high-fiving that flipper? Well, as we know, they weren't exactly flippers yet, but still, that would have been amazing. Also, basketball now comes to mind. But anyways, back to, like, facts. (laughs) The smallest penguin stands at about 13 inches tall, or 33 centimeters and is nicknamed the fair penguin. It is a little blue penguin from New Zealand. According to avian paleontologist Daniel Ksepka of the Bruce Museum in Greenwich, Connecticut, penguins are a lot like humans, not just in the way they stand, but also in many of their behaviors. To quote Ksepka from an article for Reuters.com by William Dunham entitled Scientists Uncover History of quote, ridiculously charming penguins, close quote, from July, 2022. 
Here's the opening quote from Ksepka. Quote, Plus, penguins are ridiculously charming creatures. They love, they fight, they steal. And because of their funny upright posture, it's really easy to imagine them having all the same motivations as people. Close quote. Throughout their lives, penguins end up splitting their time pretty evenly between the land and the sea. You'll find penguins in the southern hemisphere, with one exception being the Galapagos penguin, found on the island in the temperate zone. And these can live here only because of the cold waters of the Humboldt Current. Although we may occasionally see cartoons of penguins chatting with polar bears, penguins do not actually live in the Arctic. So no polar bear and penguin chats, unfortunately. Or fortunately, those chats may not have ended well. The penguin's diet consists of mostly fish, krill, and squid, with some other sea life thrown into the mix. Penguin coats are what is called countershaded. This means that the belly is white and the back is black. This protects them from predators in the water. When a predator looks to the surface because of the white belly of the penguin, it becomes difficult for the predator to tell the difference between the penguin belly and the reflection of refracting light on the surface. The dark colors of their wings and back give great camouflage from predators overhead. Penguins hold a number of world records, as it turns out. The emperor penguins are the deepest diving birds in the world, able to dive up to about 550 meters. That's about 1,800 feet. Gen 2 penguins hold a different type of world record, that of speed. These penguins are the fastest underwater birds, clocking in at about 36 kilometers an hour. That's about 22 miles an hour. Aside from diving and swimming, penguins are also known to hop around when necessary on rocky terrain and slide on their bellies to get around. This is called tobogganing. Their dense feathers keep them warm in and above the water. The emperor penguin actually has four types of feathers. They can also control their blood flow to their extremities in order to keep warm but not freeze. In the Antarctic winters, it is the female penguins that go fishing while the males huddle together to keep warm, taking turns in the center of the huddle and often tending to their eggs. When it comes to our name for the penguin, we are a little bit unclear on its origins. Some dictionaries define the origins as deriving from Welsh and the Welsh word for head and white. Another look at the etymology suggests a Latin root. Penguins were actually originally named for a different bird. The English sailors who named the creatures were far more familiar with the great auk, which was found in the northern hemisphere, and so named the penguins after them, even though there was actually no relation. Ox were part of the penguinus genus, which is how we got from ox to penguins. Unfortunately, ox died out by about the mid-19th century. Penguins, however, don't actually belong to the genus of penguinus in that whole kingdom phylum class order family genus species list, so it was a little bit of a misnomer. There are somewhere between 17 and 20 different species of penguins. While most penguins have black plumage, again for that countershaded camouflage, about one in every 50,000 penguins is actually born with a brown coat. These are called Isabelline penguins, and unfortunately, they tend to have a shorter life expectancy, in part because of the less effective camouflage, and also because they're not often picked for mating. When it comes to breeding, penguins can live in colonies as small as about 100 pairs of mates to hundreds of thousands of pairs of mates. This large of a colony means a lot of social structure and interactions. Penguins have monogamous relationships, and for the most part, both the male and female look after and help to incubate their egg. With the exception of the emperor penguin, here the male does all of the incubating. And one more delightful fact that is absolutely necessary. A group of penguins 
is called a waddle. <laughs> Unless they're in the water, and then they are called a raft. I don't know who names these, but I love it. When it comes to interactions with people, penguins are pretty fearless, mostly because they have nothing to fear on land. No predators there. They generally get about as close as three meters or nine feet away. During early exploration, dogs would sometimes prey on penguins, but they have since been banned in Antarctica. If you're familiar with the film Happy Feet, about an animated penguin, turns out that this film was actually based on a real penguin. Although very, very loosely. In real life, a penguin came ashore on a beach in New Zealand because it was suffering from heat exhaustion. It required several surgeries to remove sand and driftwood from its stomach before it could be on its way again. It was a bit of a sensation and was named Happy Feet. Thankfully, it did manage to recover and be okay. In our media, for the most part, penguins have been depicted as cute, friendly, perhaps a little silly, largely positive depictions. That was until perhaps the introduction of the villain The Penguin in Batman comics in 1941. Tim Burton actually used African and King penguins in his film Batman Returns for the villain The Penguin. But even then, penguins got over that quote-unquote bad publicity, if you will, and continued to be an endearing tuxedoed bird. And, you know, I was looking for some sort of, like, utility, as it were, for the penguin. Like, something that they've taught us. But I had to correct my thinking there. The penguin is wonderful simply because it is. Just so. Not because it's helped humanity in some way, although we are learning a lot from penguins just from observing how they respond to climate change and changes in the icy salt water. But even without all of that, the penguin is fantastic on its own. So for that, for just being what it is, a ridiculously charming bird, I am grateful for penguins. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a marvelous day. Take care. Thank <laughs> you.